Yeah, welcome to Church Project. We're, we're glad that you're here today. Um, I, the one of the things that I took away from this video, one of the highlights that, that I took away, a line that they said was, um, the Bible is telling an epic story of how God is working through his people to bring order and beauty out of chaos to this world. And I thought, isn't, isn't that beautiful? You know, one of the things, the church project that we're really aiming to do is uh, there's three words that kind of drive us. We want to be biblical. <clears throat> that makes sense, right? We're a church. So everything that we do better be biblical. And we want to be simple as well. Um, and I think our text today is going to highlight the simplicity of the gospel and how easy it really is. We don't need to fluff it up and make it all wonderful and beautiful. Like, we want to be biblical, we want to be simple, and we also want to be relevant. And not like in super cool, but we want to speak a language that everyone understands. And so, welcome to Church Project. If you would, um, there's, there's a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, you can raise your hand. Our guys will bring it to you. But we're also super techie now. And so, if you have downloaded... Uh, the version app. It just looks like the, the Holy Bible. You can download it right now. Pull out your phones if you want to. But if you want to, open up your version app. <clears throat> and then on the bottom right, there's a section that says more. So you can click on more and then go to events. And there it is, Church Project. We're live right now. So all the message notes are on there. And, and Ryan Doherty uh, pointed this out at our house church on Tuesday. He said, you know what? You can save those notes and then use them at house church to kind of talk through stuff. So I'd encourage you, um, for especially the people that are involved in house church, which I know all of you are, that's good. So download those notes. You have everything right there. And isn't that techie? Isn't that awesome? By the way, that video's on there. Other links are on there. You can tithe on there, all sorts of stuff. So enjoy. Uh, love that tool. Um, at Church Project, I said, we're biblical. And so what we want to do, I, I know that we can really take a message and make it really flashy and showy and drive home a single point, and that's good. I think Scripture can speak in, in volumes in this way. One of the things that I think God has called me personally to do as the pastor of Church Project is to help us understand Scripture. So when you leave and you go home and tomorrow morning it's just you in the darkness because you couldn't sleep, you can open up Scripture and you can begin to see and understand ways to study Scripture. And so what we call this at Church Project is we call it expository teaching. It's what it's known. We go book by book. We go verse by verse. We've been in the book of Acts for over a year right now. Today we're going to be in Acts chapter 11. We're starting that chapter today. And one of the reasons that we do verse by verse is so even if I don't nail the, 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 the message today. Even if you're like, I'll give Aaron a C plus at best, but he looked good, so maybe a C, like a B minus or something, right? So even if I don't nail this message today, which I feel like God's got a very special message for each and every one of us here, even if I completely fumble it, which I might, you're going to learn through this process of how to study scripture on your own. And how cool is that? Like we believe in the priesthood of saints. We believe that the scripture is God-breathed. We believe that any of us can sit down and read it and the Holy Spirit will move and guide and teach and show. And so when we're looking at scripture, there's a couple words and it's on your notes too. Exegesis. And when, when you talk about exegesis, this is what exegesis is. Exegesis is the process of drawing out the meaning from the text according with the context and discoverable meaning from its author. So when we think exegesis, this is what we want to do when we're talking about Scripture. We want to go into a passage and we want to say, what was the original author saying? 
what was going on in the culture, what was happening there, because as we just saw, this wasn't just written last week. I mean, this goes back hundreds, thousands of years. And so when the authors are writing, why are they reading? And that's called exegesis. That's good. We want to study scripture that way. What we don't want to do is eisegesis. And eisegesis is a form, it occurs when a reader imposes his or her interpretation into and onto the text. So a good way to know if you're maybe doing eisegesis, if you grab your Bible and you do the Russian roulette thing where you're like, you throw your finger down and you read it and you're like, God, give me a word, like, whoa, and God can move in that way. I'm not saying he can't. Eisegesis is when we're opening up scripture and saying, make it say what I want it to say. There's danger in that. We can twist the Bible to say whatever we want. Challenge me on it. I can, I can make it say some funny stuff. Eisegesis is good. Staying in context and going through it. Expository teaching is good. And this is what we do at Church Project. So I'm glad that you're here today. God's word does not need to be polished. It's enough. Tell it how it is. And let the Holy Spirit guide what you're reading and understanding. And I would encourage all of us as Christ followers to get busy with it. Not to just sit back and just let it be on our shelf. No, open this version app. Get your commentaries. Like, go for it. Go crazy. Get busy with Scripture so you can begin to understand it and you can begin to know on your own and fully expose the truth in the Scripture. So I would encourage us in this room, it's time in 2018 to get busy with our Scripture, to dive after the deep things of God. And on your version notes, I also put a, a reading plan there and it's called How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth. Weston Kurz and I went through it this week and it's, it's pretty good. Like it goes through every day, like how to read the Bible for all it's worth. So I'd encourage us to get busy, church. Don't get lost in the weeds, though. And that's one of the fear of talking about verse by verse through the Bible, is that we can get lost in the weeds. And what I mean by that is we can, we can look so close on a scripture and we can look to the Greek and the original writing and all that stuff and, and we can get dive, dive down so deep that we forget and we don't read it through the meta-narrative. And the meta-narrative of Jesus coming and bringing out of chaos, bringing order and redeeming and loving his people. And so church, I just, I, this morning I really feel compelled as we were starting 2018 to really go back and look at scripture, where it came from with cartoons and all that stuff. And to really talk about why we do what we do and to challenge us to get busy with it. Amen. Let's dive in. Acts chapter 11. I'm going to read eight verses today. They're going to sound super familiar because we've been preaching on them for three months. But there's a great point that I think um, Peter and Luke have in, in, in these eight verses, or 18 verses, sorry. Acts chapter 11, verse 1. The apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. Verse 11. Starting from the very beginning, Peter told them the whole story. I was in the city of Yopa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to where I was. 
I looked into it and saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds. Then I heard a voice telling me, get up, Peter, kill and eat. I replied, surely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. The voice spoke from heaven a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and then it was all pulled up to heaven again. Right there, right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers also went with me, and we entered into the man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord had said. John baptized with water, but you will baptize with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? In verse 18, when they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Let me pray. God, thank you for today. I pray that, that you use uh, these words, this, our time together, your scripture, your Holy Spirit, to fully expose the truth of this passage. And God, I pray that in each and every one of us, we leave so pumped up for our time together today. In your name I pray, amen. So as Peter was challenged, notice, Peter was challenged, and what was his go-to? If you've been studying, oh, coming with us for a while and looking through the book of Acts, his go-to is when he's challenged is just tell a story. And so he's challenged in the first three verses. The apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of the uncircumcised men and ate with them. And then Peter's go-to is, let me tell you a story. And he tells it from the very beginning, what happened all the way to the very end. His go-to is just to tell the story. Your story, church, my story is the only story to live. Each and every one of us. What you have is powerful enough. It doesn't need added spices, shaken, not stirred, together with a cherry on the top. Be you. Live you. And this is good. If you don't say amen on this, we're done. Trust God with your imperfections and hold your head high in your massive giftings. Yeah. I'm going to keep going. You told me. You gave me permission. Trust God with your imperfections and hold your head high in your massive giftings. You are a daughter of a king. And you are a son of royalty. Your story doesn't need embellished. Peter's story didn't need embellished. Scripture doesn't need embellished. And when Peter's confronted and when he's pushed back into the corner, what does he do? He just tells the story how he knows it. And we see that the Holy Spirit moves in powerful ways. So look at look look verse 1, 2, 3 here. What did these circumcised 
super Christians criticize Peter for? What did they, the Jewish people, the leaders, the super Christians, what did they criticize Peter for? Well, if you're reading the same text I'm reading, they criticized him that he went into the house. He went into the house of Gentiles. Is that worth getting criticized for? It it wasn't anything but, Peter, you went into the house of the Gentiles. You're not supposed to do that. Don't you know those are the dirty people? So they're knocking Peter for not being religious. And what what I mean by that is this. Religion focuses on outward actions and behaviors and modifications. That's religion. If you're here and you're saying I'm a religious person, then you're probably going to look really, really good. Like Because religion focuses on the outward actions and behaviors and modifications. And so when God is doing incredible things in Peter's life and Peter shows up probably excited because all this amazing things is happening and the super Christians criticize him, they criticize him because of his outward actions. You went into a Gentile person's house. That's a religious approach, and I'm done with that. I was done with that about sixth grade. Like, I'm over being religious. Sorry. The gospel message, though, the gospel message is about inward transformation. Church, may we never be a church that's focused on religion. May we be a church that's focused on inward gospel transformation in all of our lives. Amen? In college, I was a super Christian. I'll say it. I was good, man. I was really good. Which, by the way, wasn't enough. I mean, I didn't, I, didn't, I, lived, the, I lived the part. Like, I, I followed all the rules. I did everything the way that I was supposed to. I was even leading worship for our college ministry. Like, how awesome is that? I learned guitar so I could do that. I wasn't good, but I was doing it because no one else could do it, Right? I mean, I was living the part, but you know what? It wasn't enough. It wasn't enough for the people, the the super Christians that were surrounding me. And I started hanging out with hippie non-Christians because their theme was, hey, bro, you're good enough for us. How about your experience? How about your experience in church? The hippie snowboarders theme was, hey, bro, you're good enough for us. Who would you rather hang out with? The Christians that you couldn't even impress or the hippie snowboarders that said, hey, you're good enough for us. In my Christian cliques and clubs, I was told the opposite of you're good enough. I was told, you went into that house, Aaron? Just as Peter was told. You went into that house? Right? That's what the super Christians are they're, they're, they're going after Peter for. Is, you went into the house of the Gentiles? I was, I was judged and continue to be, probably like every single one of us in this room, for hanging out with the stoners at that time. Now, I wasn't smoking and drinking, and I was still super Christian, right? But I was judged for that. I was judged for your hairs getting too long. I see some guys in here with too long hair. Does your mom know your hair is that long? I'm joking. Now, I'm not advocating... For all of us to get high and to do whatever seems right in our own eyes. Don't, 
Don't hear me say that, okay? The theme of the book of Judges was everyone did what was right in their own eyes. It didn't turn out so well there, right? Not, I'm not advocating for that. I am advocating for the complete abolishment of judging each other by our outward appearances. I'm completely advocating for the abolishment of judging each other by our outward appearances. Until you know the complete story, please don't slay me. And I've been slain. And I imagine you've been slain by people that are supposed to be our brothers and sisters. The Holy Spirit might actually be doing something super sick. That's old school slang for amazing. Since I was talking about snowboarders and hippies. The Holy Spirit might be doing something super sick in our life, but if you show up and you start slaying me, you don't even know what's going on. All you're saying is, why did you go into that house, Aaron? Oh, you didn't know the whole story. Like, Gentiles came to know God because of the Holy Spirit, but all you care about is that I went into the house. Wow. So yesterday was an amazing day in the snowboard world. Um, Elijah, I think we might have a video. Um, Sean White, anyone know Sean White? Okay, yesterday was pretty dang amazing. Like this dude qualified for the Olympics. He went from ninth place to first place in one run. I want to show this. So yeah, go ahead and pump that up. From ninth place, not even making it to first, a perfect run, a hundred score. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, it's sick. <laughs> yeah, but you noticed he was all dressed in black. He should have had different colors on. Like tendency to knock it, to put it down, to be critics, to judge it. Like I think it's our human condition, especially in the church world. It's in our, it's in our condition to go, oh, you did that, sinner. Why did you go into that house, you sinner? I mean, Sean White nailed it. And we can show up and go, yeah, but he, he should have had like a red jacket on or something, right? Let's cheer on God and each other, people. Let's cheer on God and each other. God wants to take you from ninth, eighth, ninth place to perfection. It's, just, it's what he wants to do. Yet, the circumcised super-Christians in, in this text were probably thinking back earlier into Acts, Acts chapter 1-8, a long time ago, if you remember that, it's kind of the theme of all of the book of Acts. And Acts chapter 1-8 says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. This is Jesus talking to the Jewish people. And he's saying, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, like, or ends of the world. This is the promise for the Jewish people. And so they're thinking this. And the saying they're probably thinking is witnesses. What does that mean? Oh, it's an exclusive club. God chose me. Like, I'm part of this exclusive club that's going to be awesome, not something that would include the Gentiles, not something that's going to include the world. They're thinking we're going to lead, we're going to charge, and this is our mission. So they're thinking this. For I can understand their thinking, by the way. And maybe some of you... Here's just one example, okay? For detail-oriented people, this could be a very convicting message, especially if you're like me, and I'm borderline anal retentive, okay? Clean the shower this way. Fold it this way. Wrong color hanger in the closet. That's right, I have all white hangers in my closet. Another story. 
I need help. All right, raise your hand if you have all the same colors in your closet. Amen to you. That's right, Bill. There you go. Okay. Uh, diversified, weirdo, hippie people. I got it, right? Wait, I'm not judging you. I, I'm, a, I'm done. I just lost all credibility. Okay, I'm back. One of the hardest things in life for me is when I've worked hard at getting something just right. Like I've worked really, really hard at getting something just right. And, and this is why it was hard for me to learn how to parent, by the way. Um, because then some jackwhack comes along and wants to mess up your system. Right? Anyone with me? Can I get amen? Amen, right. Wants to help me. I start twitching. I'm like, you're doing it wrong. Not doing it right. And then you do what? Just give it to me. I'll do it. I preach grace, but do I live it? And I think what causes me to, is control. Like, I want control. Like, I want my hangers all the same way. I want the shower clean this way, windows washed this way. Like, it's control, right? I had to ask myself this question. I think all of us do in this room today. Have I accepted that I am good enough and I don't need to prove it? I think that's a super deep question. House church pastors, just circle on that question alone this week. Like, have I accepted that I'm good enough and I don't need to prove it? I don't need to impress you with my white hangers. You might think I'm weird. Like, I, you get what I'm saying? Like, if I really embrace myself, embrace this grace message, I would know I'm good enough and I don't need to prove it to you. I can understand the fear of losing control like what was happening here in Acts. And we usually criticize when we are losing control and we don't understand something. So I can understand how the early, you know, they came back and Peter and they just said, well, you went into that house. Like they're losing control. They don't understand what God's doing and fear starts to strike them. I am advocating for the complete abolishment of judging each other by outward appearances. Until you know the complete story, please don't slay me. The Holy Spirit might be doing something super sick. The Bible was printed, was given to the professionals, the whatever, and then during the Reformation we see something happen. The Bible was first printed. The authorities were afraid of the common man messing up the message. And one day a priest went and visited William Tyndale from a little place and Tyndale's belief was this. He said to this priest, If God spare my life, before very long, I shall cause a plowboy to know more scriptures better than you do. The authorities were scared to release the scripture. And Tyndale said, It's my job to make sure the plowboy knows more scripture than even you. The fear of changing and releasing and losing control, we see it all through human history, and I see it in my life how I try to prove that I'm good enough and change scares me. And I'm not really happy enough with my own grace that God loves me. All right, you think we're only for through three verses. Well, it's really kind of easy when you look at this passage. The first three verses we're spending a lot of time on, but if you look through the rest of it, it's just Peter going, uh, I'm just going to tell the story of what I've experienced I'm just going to be me. I'm, I'm not going to embellish. I'm just going to regurgitate this thing. And so we see that happening through the, through the meat of this passage. And then it ends in verse 17 and 18. So we're almost done. Verse 17 says, So if God gave them the same gift 
he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in the way of God? And in verse 18, when they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, so then, even the Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. So we see in verse 17, reminds me of Acts 15, 28. We'll get to that probably next year sometime. But <laughs> Acts, Acts 15, 28 is one of my favorite Bible verses in Scripture because you read it, and this is what the apostles, the professional people, the disciples are saying in Acts 15, 28. They said, it seemed good to us. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit. They didn't know what to do, and so they did what seemed right to the Holy Spirit, and that is super reassuring to me. i got to get out of my snowboarding lingo, sorry. That's very reassuring to me. That... The professionals of way back when, they, they did what it seemed right to them. Just like the great men and women of old that God used in powerful ways, I must cling to the Spirit to take me into the unknown. And at times it's not going to be clear. At times it's not going to be clear. So we see that in verse 17. We get to verse 18. They heard this. They had no objections. They praised God because the story was enough. The Holy Spirit moved enough. And the story was logical enough. Which reminds me of Matthew chapter 5, 16, and it's a charge to all of us. In the same way that your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Live your life and let your actions shine so that everyone will praise God. Your story's enough. You're enough. Scripture is enough. You don't have to embellish it. You don't have to impress us. So, God wants to change the game in all of our lives, for all of us. He wants to take us from ninth place and give us a perfect score. <laughs>